Hello and welcome to the Body Acceptance Podcast. This podcast is for women who struggle to love and sometimes even like their bodies and who want to build a more loving relationship with themselves through experiencing more joy, pleasure, and confidence. Each week we'll cover topics ranging from body image, intuitive eating, self-love, and so much more. If you're ready to learn practical tips and tools for loving the skin you're in, then you're in the right place. Let's get to it. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Body Acceptance Podcast. Whether you are a longtime listener, maybe you've been here with me since the All or Something Living days, or you're a new listener, either way, I'm so grateful that you're here and you're taking the time out of your day to listen to what I have to share with you. And this week, we are going to answer the question, at what point does dieting become harmful? I feel like it's important to have this conversation because dieting has kind of taken a turn lately. So dieting used to be called what it is, diets, right? So we've known uh, of diets as being something that's like obviously like, right, we know the keto diet is, or keto is considered a diet. Um, What are the other ones? Like Weight Watchers is trying to rebrand themselves as non-diet, although they still are a diet. Um, Basically, people have caught on to the fact that diets don't work. So now the dieting industry, which is the, is it multi-billion dollar? It's a, yeah, I want to say it's like a $72 billion a year industry is now realizing that, okay, people are catching on. They're a lot smarter now. So we have to disguise what a diet is under the term lifestyle change, or even Noom recently has hijacked the term intuitive eating. So Noom uh, claims to teach intuitive eating when they're, um, when they actually encourage and not only encourage, like basically their plans have you eating 1200 calories or less. That is definitely diet. If you are counting calories or restricting foods in any way, for the sake of weight loss that is considered dieting. Now that can seem like, you know, it might feel frustrating to hear me say like, okay, Lauren, um, what if I am trying to watch what I eat or what if I need to count my calories or macros or whatever? And immediately it's like, there's judgment around it. I personally think that it's up to you to do what feels right for your body. And I'm just here, the purpose of me bringing this up and just even bringing this information to light is to encourage you and empower you to first of all, experiment and see what works for you. I offer an alternative way of working toward better health physically and mentally. I offer an alternative way because I personally have learned and experienced that diets do not work for me. I know a lot of people feel the same. No matter what disguise they're under, it just still um, was something that I just couldn't do long-term or sustainable. And I'll get more into the specifics in the episode, but I just wanted to bring up the fact that if you do choose to diet or join Weight Watchers or Noom or whatever, there's no shame in that. I just encourage you to pay attention to how you feel as you're doing it. And 
For me, I know once I knew that there were other options available to me, I could never go back to dieting just because of the way that I felt when I would try to restrict and also um, the relationship to food in my body that it created. And like I said, I'll get into the specifics there. I even recently, because I was having some body, really big body image issues a few months ago, and I had tried to start calorie counting again, um, and not restricting calories heavily, but just calorie counting in general, just to get an idea of, um, just to be able to gauge my calories every day. And then I did join Weight Watchers because Weight Watchers promised to be reimagined and so different. And within like a few days of trying it out, I was completely done because even though Weight Watchers claims to be like, oh, all foods are allowed, it still uh, is very restrictive. I was even on what's called the Blue Plan where they, uh, where you get a lot of, I guess, food freedom and what you can eat, but the foods like... The foods that are zero points are like fruits, vegetables, like, I don't know, just different stuff. Basically, I didn't have access to a lot of the zero point foods. And so what ended up happening is like I would end up not having anything to eat. And because the app doesn't allow you to track your calories, I I ended up like tracking them separately on PayPal, and I was at below 1,200 calories a day in order to meet my points. I was so hungry, and I immediately noticed myself becoming preoccupied with food again. So I realized immediately it didn't work for me, but hey, I wanted to try it out, and that's my choice. And like I said, I have been all over the place as far as like I've in the past judged people for not what I for not eating as healthy as I thought they should. And then I've also done the opposite. I've judged people for choosing to participate in diets and things. And I'm just done with that. I really want to empower you with the information to make your own decisions. And like I said, I just want you to know that there are options available to you. And I don't want you to feel like you have to choose either or that you have to choose a diet or a restrictive meal plan or you have to count in order to prioritize your health physical and mental like i always say that you can have somewhere in between so i coach using what i call my all or something framework which is that there is a gray area and if you have been someone that has participated in diets for a long time or you've been involved in diet culture meaning you know, working toward being thinner or losing weight or building muscle or whatever, having goals for changing your physique, then you might feel a little confused around the concept of, you know, all or something, especially if you have developed a negative relationship to food as a result over the years, you might feel out of control around specific foods and feel that you need to avoid those and either not allow yourself to have them or that if you do allow yourself to have them, you'll go crazy. And that is just a result of restriction of those foods, putting those foods on a pedestal. And that is definitely one of the harmful effects of choosing to diet. So now that I've kind of teased what we're going to talk about in this episode, I just want to give a few updates on what is going on with the body acceptance brand as we are building it up. So first of all, 
I have my body acceptance ebook coming out at the end of July. So originally I was going to just write it, create a PDF and sell it individually from my own website. But then I'm six chapters in, almost 10,000 words in, and I'm realizing it's a little bit longer than you might want for a PDF, especially trying to go through and read all those pages and you know, go back because you maybe you're not gonna wanna read it in one sitting. So I'm actually going to self-publish through Amazon and through Amazon Kindle, and I'm so excited about that to actually become a self-published author and to get this book out into the world. So the body acceptance ebook is about, it's pretty much like a crash course in everything that I talk about when it comes to body acceptance. I, I said that funny. Uh, when it comes to body acceptance. So we're gonna talk about things like, uh, first of all, making peace with your body, healing your relationship with your body, um, we're going to talk about how to change and rewire the way that you speak to your body and that you feel about your body. I even cover the topic of like how to talk to your children about body image, how to approach your own, the way that you speak to your own body to again, help empower your children. And then I also talk about, um, the ways that you can create sustainable, positive habit changes in your life that improve your health and your energy and all that good stuff. So that's gonna be available for pre-order starting in June. And then like I said, it releases, um, or it, it is going to be officially published the end of July, so July 31st. Um, and wait, 30 days, half September, April, June, yeah, July 31st. Do you ever do that? I, I have to do that every time with the months that are um, like 30, 31 days because I always lose track. Anyway, so that's one announcement. The next announcement is that laurenkepler.com has officially migrated to thebodyacceptance.com. I went and purchased that domain ASAP because first of all, I was surprised that the Body Acceptance podcast was available as a name for a podcast and that there is no book out there yet called Body Acceptance, and so I figured why not jump on the domain name and uh, start to carve my own lane out in this, um, in this, I guess, niche or whatever you call it, because I am creating something separate from body positivity, and I have kind of touched on this a few times, and I will actually make a full episode and, and write a blog post on this, but body acceptance and body positivity are two different things. Body positivity is actually a movement and it's not a movement that I want to hijack. A lot of people are hijacking this movement. I would like to actually separate myself from the body positivity movement and body acceptance is just more about empowering women and people to learn to live in their bodies, like live fully and treat their bodies with love and respect, regardless of how you might feel about the size or the weight that you're at. I know personally, I did this and a lot of people I've talked to have done the same, where they kind of put off their living their life or having their confidence that they desire or the love that they desire. 
they put those things off until they have a smaller body. And then, so they're like constantly in this diet binge cycle where they're losing weight and gaining weight and losing weight and saying like, okay, well, when I have this body, then I'm going to do this and never really get to the there. And so I'm going to talk a little bit more in this episode about how diets personally took over my life. And, um, and so that's why I think that body acceptance is so important because it's important to accept the body that you have now, like I said, and choose to still treat yourself well, like to do things like movement, um, to move your body and to take care of yourself in whatever way feels actually good and not a punishing sort of way. And I love how you can simultaneously pursue body acceptance and still want to maybe change things about your appearance or your weight or your size. There is no, I've noticed that in say the body positivity spaces, there is this like shame around still wanting to change things about your appearance or there's like this fear of, oh my gosh, am I dieting? Is this considered a diet? So it's like opposite end of the spectrum to where the fitness community is very strict on like, oh, like you have to want to look this way and you have to eat this. And if you don't, you're bad. And then on the other end of the spectrum now, it's like, well, if you don't love your body completely and you do want to change it and you do like want to, if you do any sort of form of what is perceived as restriction or caring about what you eat, then you're triggering somebody. And so I want to create a space in between that. Like, like I say, the all or something space and that's where body acceptance comes in. So I went to secure the domain name bodyacceptance.com. And unfortunately it's up for auction starting at a thousand dollars at the lowest bid. So instead I bought the bodyacceptance.com which in my opinion sounds more official anyway. So thebodyacceptance.com. For now, if you do click or if you still like type in laurenkepler.com, maybe you're used to that, it'll still direct you over there for a while. So don't worry about that. But I just wanted to let you know about that change. And the site is still under construction anyway, but you can still access the blog and podcast through there as usual. And then the last announcement that I have is that I am currently taking on six Voxer clients, one-on-one clients per month starting, uh, what's this month? (laughs) Starting June. I don't even know what day it is anymore. Starting in June, I'm going to take on six Voxer clients per month. So what is Voxer coaching? So instead of enrolling in say a traditional coaching, one-on-one coaching program, where you pay like say thousands of dollars to work with a coach for like eight weeks or so. And during that time you're meeting with that coach for like say an hour session every week. I instead am offering this, um, if you've ever heard of Voxer, it's like a walkie talkie app. So you can send, record and send voice messages as you want. Kind of like voice messages through Facebook Messenger or um, like text message and things like that. So basically how this works is if you sign up for a month of coaching with me, we start out the month with, we do get on a one hour Zoom call just to have strategy so that I know what exactly I'm helping you with. We'll map out a plan for the month. And then basically the rest of the month is just me checking in with you five days a week on Voxer. 
and just seeing like what you're like how you're doing or you can opt out of that i don't have to check in with you if you want you can just message me send me voice notes as you want and then i'll respond to any of whatever it is that you're working through for example say one morning you wake up and you're having extremely negative body image and you're like you need someone to help you work through it well that's where i come in so i can coach you through that experience or say you're working on intuitive eating and you want someone to guide you through that i can be pretty much in your back pocket every day helping you make decisions with your food or feel empowered or maybe you have a binge and you want to work through your feelings about that and and work on um work on changing your experience with binges so maybe minimizing the amounts of time that you're binging and dealing with it and things like that i also am known for creating special resources for my clients so i if i see things that are needed throughout the month like oh i feel like this meditation will help you i will record a personalized meditation and send that to you so that you can have that i will also keep a log of notes and so that like by the end of our work together you have a full log of notes and what we worked on and the resources that i gave you along the way uh so i'm really gonna hook you up and i am only offering an intro price to the first six clients that sign with me like i said i'm only taking on six per month so if you sign with me and you're one of the first six it's going to be 99 dollars a month And then I'm gonna lock you into that price of $99 a month, meaning it's up to you. You can do as many months as you want with me. Uh, However, you like are grandfathered into that $99 price. So for life, anytime, like say you wanna work with me next month, and then you're like, "Mm, I'll take a few months off. And then you come back to me and you sign for another month, only $99. After that six, the price is gonna more than double because this level of coaching and having access to me is really, really a good investment. Um, and it's totally like, yeah, so it's gonna, it's gonna take a lot of my time and attention. So obviously I'm gonna have to start charging more after this, but I just wanted to offer this to the first six people that are interested. So if that's you, Make sure that you're connected with me either on Instagram or Facebook. I just finally also changed those handles to my married name. So on Facebook, I'm at Lauren Kendrick. And then on Instagram, I'm at Lauren M. Kendrick. So you can shoot me a DM or a message over there and let me know that you're interested. Maybe you want to get on a Zoom call and chat about it and just see how we might be able to work together and Um, yeah. And beyond that, that's the only option that you're going to be able to work with me one-on-one from here on out. I get a lot of questions about how you can work with me. And I so far have only been taking one-on-one by request. And now I'm just like one-on-one meaning like calls and stuff. I'm not doing that anymore. So just boxer one-on-one. And then either the end of this year or the start of next year, I will be releasing a body acceptance group coaching program. So if that's more of your jam and you like the group coaching idea, just again, follow along with me and you will be able to sign up for that um, later on in the year or early next year. If you wanna keep in touch and get updates as far as what I offer, you wanna make sure that you're getting updates on that, you can also go to thebodyacceptance.com And on the homepage, sign up for my free body acceptance meditation. 
and then you'll automatically be added to my email list and then you'll just get updates for that. If you've already signed up for the meditation, then you're already on that list. All right, so let's dive into this question of at what point does dieting become harmful? So I felt like, I feel like this is an important conversation to have because of what I said at the beginning of this episode, like sometimes our attempts at dieting or weight loss can seem harmless because we mix up the idea of health with thinness and we think we've learned to believe that anything that has to do with losing weight is automatically healthy for us and that anyone who is a thin presenting person is immediately and automatically healthy. And so we associate attempts to be healthier with attempts to lose weight when that's not always the case because sometimes these these behaviors that we're participating in trying to shrink our bodies is actually making us more unhealthy. Whether that is because we're doing something extreme and harming our physical health in order to get our body down to a size that it's not meant to be, or we're we're suffering from the uh, the mental health aspects of it. So maybe it's making us feel even worse about our bodies, or you start to avoid social events or people, or you start to fear certain foods. And um, yeah, so let's get into that. So I remember when I first decided that I was done with dieting and I started to tell people about it and I started to tell people why, what was my experience with food and with food restriction and people didn't really seem to get it. And I think the reason that they didn't get it was because first of all, I hadn't learned how to vocalize why it was such a bad thing for me or why it was so harmful for me personally. And so now that I, in hindsight, can look at what were the behaviors that I was participating in and also the feelings that I had because of the behaviors, now I'm able to say, okay, there is a difference between eating and living in a way where I'm trying to be healthier and then living and eating in a way where I'm becoming obsessive and um, basically like hitting diet rock bottom. So I was inspired to have this conversation because last week I had a friend over and we were sharing our experiences with dieting, especially because we had both kind of gotten into the fitness industry where you're working out and uh, like if you've ever been interested in doing say like a fitness competition, a lot of people get into heavy eating disorders from being in that community. I'm not saying that it's the case for everybody, but many of the people that I know who got deep into the fitness industry have experienced this. And so my friend was no exception. So we hit this point where it was like dieting rock bottom, where we felt like our lives were basically taken over by food restriction and by obsessing over what we were eating, how we were exercising, 
and how our bodies looked. Those were the three things that I cared about and I feel like my personality came down to basically those three things. So unfortunately, disordered eating patterns and disordered eating is used something that's used to describe a range of irregular eating behaviors that may or may not warrant a diagnosis of a specific eating disorder. So you can recognize that you have disordered eating patterns whether or not you have been officially diagnosed with an eating disorder. You don't have to wait for that diagnosis before you recognize that, hey, something is off here. So unfortunately, disordered eating patterns have become normalized in our society, as I said earlier, because we place so much value on thinness and because we've been conditioned to believe that thin equals healthy, we're more interested in participating in behaviors that will shrink our bodies, no matter the cost or the negative potential negative outcome of that. So what does dieting have to do with disordered eating patterns? So I did some research and there's a website I found called the Emily Program where they talk about eating disorder recovery and you hear from different experts on what leads to eating disorders or disordered eating patterns. And so I found this quote from a man named Dr. Mark Warren and he says, Dieting is a significant risk factor for developing an eating disorder. That's because diets almost always involve restrictive behaviors. When we restrict what we eat, we deny our body what it needs. Engaging in restriction can result in malnutrition and starvation, which at a neurobiological level could trigger an eating disorder. And I relate this to what I had experienced, which is what I believe to be binge eating disorder. I have not been officially diagnosed with binge eating disorder, first of all, because I don't experience binges anymore. By the time I learned that it was actually a recognized eating disorder, I had already recovered because I had quit dieting and I had quit restricting foods. So binge binges come on as a result of like Dr. Mark Warren said, uh, it's a neurobiological thing. So I, first of all, binged because my body wasn't getting enough nutrients and it was going into what's called malnutrition and starvation mode. You don't have to be super thin before your body goes into that mode. Your body just has to recognize enough that, hey, I'm not getting enough calories in and then it'll automatically kick on this mechanism that increases your appetite and uh, and oh, decreases your metabolism. And so there's these changes that happen within your body. And it's very similar to if you have to pee, right? If you have to pee, you know it because your body gives you that signal. You feel the pressure. You start to, you know, say, okay, I have to find a bathroom soon. What happens if you don't find that bathroom soon? You pee your pants, right? Because biology takes over. And same thing happens with your hunger drive. So say you're trying to starve your body. Your body doesn't know the difference between like perceived, what it perceives as starvation and dieting. It's not like the body can say, oh, 
this is dieting. This person is trying to lose weight. No, the body is designed to fight against starvation. So it kicks in. It says it, it starts to signal you more and more with hunger signals, with fatigue, with brain fog. If you still don't act on that and there is food around, that's when biology takes over. And that's why binges feel so out of control because your body is then like basically doing the action for you. And I know that sounds crazy, but if you've ever experienced a binge as according to, you know, what it's like um, with binge eating disorder, you literally feel like you have no control over your body. And that's why when I used to binge, I thought that something was wrong with me and something was broken within me because I felt so ashamed and I felt so out of control and I, I literally felt like I couldn't control my body and now I understand why. And instead of blaming myself, I understand that my body was just trying to protect me and to keep me safe. And I appreciate that now. But that's one reason that I used to binge. The second reason that can create binges and eating disorders is when you put certain foods on pedestals and when you demonize other foods. So say you're labeling foods good or bad. You know, we talk about this term clean eating. And so we think we, we've now tied how we eat to like our morals. If I eat this, I am good. If I eat this, I am bad. If I eat this food, it's clean. Therefore I am clean. If I eat this, it's dirty. Therefore I am dirty. And when we have that experience with food, then it suddenly puts certain foods on a pedestal and we feel like, okay, in order to get away from this food, we have to exert an enormous amount of willpower. When that willpower eventually runs out as it does, then all of a sudden we binge on this food and that's when we start to believe that we are out of control around certain foods or we can't trust ourselves around certain foods or we label what we call our trigger foods that trigger a binge, that binge and that trigger comes from either a perceived restriction or an actual restriction of specific foods and nutrients. And when you free yourself from that restriction, whether perceived or actual, then you can start to experience what is called food freedom, where every food is neutralized, no foods are off limits. Does that mean all of a sudden all your trigger foods are then like you eat nothing but pizza and ice cream and french fries and all the foods that you normally would consider off limits? No, actually the opposite happens because then everything is suddenly like in this, oops, I just whacked my water bottle. Everything is suddenly fair game. So when it comes time to make a decision about what you're gonna eat, it's not like, okay, I need to make sure I have pizza tonight even though I'm not really feeling pizza, but I don't know when I'm gonna be able to have pizza again and it's a cheat day, so I'm just gonna eat all the pizza that I can and even if my stomach hurts and I'm bloated and I feel like shit afterwards, I don't care, I'm still gonna eat it because I won't get to eat it next week. When you take away that power, then it's like, okay, like I could have pizza right now, but I also don't really feel in the mood for it. So I'm feeling something different today. And you introduce a wide variety of foods in that way. And so since like personally, I've become an intuitive eater. And since I quit dieting, I really don't eat the same way 
two days in a row. And that's been really nice because first of all, my body is getting a variety of nutrients. So I feel overall satisfied. I don't experience extreme hunger anymore. I'm not having crazy cravings anymore. It's just like normal when it's time to eat. My body tells me I eat and I move on. And then when I allow myself to, well, I always allow myself to enjoy foods, but when I'm enjoying foods, like I really am savoring them and enjoying them and there's no shame around it. I can openly just eat what I want and then I'm satisfied and I don't have to like say get sick of eating the same foods over and over again every single day. And a lot of people stay in that safe zone too where they try and eat the same foods every day because they learn what the quote unquote safe foods are. And um and that's, you know, that's part of disordered eating as well and Basically, it just leads to a loss of quality of life because one of the most pleasurable things that we do is eat. I'd say sex and food are the two most pleasurable things in the world. And so when we're dieting and constantly restricting, we're cutting ourselves off from experiencing that level of pleasure. And guess what? You can only do that for a certain amount of time. You can't diet for the rest of your life. And unfortunately, if your body gets to a specific size from dieting, and you're doing something that you feel like you can't sustain for the rest of your life, every single time that you quit dieting, you're just going to bounce back to where you started and more because, again, your body has defense mechanisms built in to save you from starvation, so it's going to add more pounds to your natural set point weight, your healthy weight. So anyway, so the point where dieting actually becomes harmful, I think is personal and subjective to each individual. I think if you have been, if you have participated in diets, maybe you currently are, I think you innately know when it's become harmful to you, or at least when it feels like something that is not working for you. But unfortunately, I also feel like you might up to this point have felt that it's your fault that you failed when it's actually really the diet and the diet industry that's failing you because it's not realistic and it's not sustainable to control yourself and your behaviors and your natural instincts around food. Um, And so, but you might still, so it's kind of like being in a relationship, right? Like an unhealthy, toxic relationship. So you start out the relationship and things are going really well. You're really romanticizing it and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I could really marry this person. What if I could spend the rest of my life with them? And then you start noticing red flags, but you don't really want to believe those red flags because you're thinking, well, they seem so great. They have good qualities about them. This diet has a good quality about it. But you you really know in your deepest heart of hearts that this isn't working for you and that it just doesn't feel good. And so diet rock bottom is kind of that. And really, I think anyone who diets in general probably has a love-hate relationship with how it feels. That like, oh, I love that I'm getting this ben- this benefit, this perceived benefit of weight loss because of you know maybe we're getting praise from others suddenly romantic interest people 
are seemingly like nicer to us will actually provenly nicer to people because of the value society has placed on thin bodies. That's a completely different conversation. And you know, for some people too, I know at first they'll say like, oh, I have so much more energy or whatever. Like I can feel my blood pressure going down or, or whatever. There are behaviors and, and habits and things that you can do that decrease your blood pressure, that increase your energy without having to diet or restrict or feel like you're constantly feeling the need to control yourself. That's really, I mean, what my work revolves around is teaching you how to implement those things without dealing with the harm of diets. And so for me, when I realized that dieting was harmful, I'd honestly say that 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 started with the binges. I didn't think or notice at that time that that's when it became harmful because first of all, I was too ashamed and afraid to share that I was binging with anyone. And even if I did tell someone that, they'd probably just say that I needed to try harder or dig deeper for more motivation and willpower. And that obviously would just make things worse. And I know I'm not the only one who's gone through that. So that's number one. If you're if you're dieting and you are experiencing any kind of like preoccupation with food, meaning you're obsessed with what you're eating, you are constantly wondering like how many calories are in this? Oh my gosh, I can't eat that or I can't go to this party because what if I mess up and I eat the wrong food? If you're constantly thinking about and daydreaming about food or thinking about when your next meal is going to be and what you're going to eat, that's usually a sign that you have a preoccupation with food. So that's one red flag. And for me, the biggest red flag that finally got my attention was when I developed my fear of foods and my obsession with healthy or quote unquote clean eating. This has become such an issue in modern day that orthorexia is actually now a recognized eating disorder and that is an obsession with healthy or I wouldn't even say healthy because even healthy is such a subjective term and hijacked as well so we don't really know I I don't really like to use the term healthy eating when I'm talking about um, you know my food choices I like the idea of like nourishing foods, whether mental or physical, uh, mentally or physically nourishing. But anyway, um, so I had developed such a fear of foods that I was afraid to go out and have dinner with people, to go to parties. I um, would bring little coolers of food everywhere that I went. I had nightmares about accidentally eating the quote-unquote wrong foods. I thought that one little slip up was going to destroy all the progress that I'd made in the gym. And that's also because I feared that one slip up would lead to another and another and another. And at that time, I didn't trust myself around food. So all of that was like the culmination of the harm that was created by diets. A few years ago, I was celebrating a birthday up in Virginia City with some family and friends 
they all showed up. We were camping and I was on a really strict meal plan at the time. So I'd brought my pre-approved cooler of foods. Everyone was drinking. I was doing shots of pre-workout. We went to a pizza place that had a live band. Everyone was eating pizza and cake in my honor. And I refused to even have a bite of any of that because I was so afraid of what that would mean. And I just feel like, I mean, of course you can still have fun without like eating certain things or drinking certain things. I'm not saying that you can't have any fun. I'm just saying that all those people showed up to have fun and to connect with me. And I was just so obsessed with what I was eating that I couldn't be present with them. And I was so, what, what was I doing it all for? To look a certain way so that maybe they'd respect me more or like me more? Like who the fuck cares? Because the people who really do like me and love me, love me because of who I am and what I have to offer. But at that time, I didn't really have anything to offer except my looks and like what I was trying to aspire to have a certain body or whatever. Anyway, um, so that was one thing. And then another time around that same time, my sister was pregnant with my first niece, her first daughter. And I had gone up to Lake Tahoe, um, which was like an hour or two from where I was living. And I went up there to visit her, brought my cooler of foods, of course, was trying to hang out with her. And she made this like soup from scratch with veggies and olive oil and yada, yada. And I just kept preaching about how I couldn't eat any of that because it's not on my approved plan. And it's so bad for me and so fattening and so many calories when what I was eating was just so like plain chicken, brown rice, and broccoli. That was like my go-to or sweet potatoes or whatever, plain sweet potatoes. Nothing had flavor, nothing had excitement. It was just all bland. And here was my sister inviting me to eat this beautiful, nourishing, home-cooked meal. And I thought that it was bad for me and unhealthy. And I feared that food. And she was so patient with me and was just like, okay, like I understand and I was just an asshole on my moral high ground preaching to everybody what I thought was health and healthy habits when I had no idea what I was doing, following pseudoscience and yada yada. Anyway, yeah, it was working as in it was giving me a physical result. What it was doing to my moods, my relationships, my period, all that is a whole different story. Uh, anyway, so then she asked me, to stay a few extra days and hang out with her some more. And, she, and I was like, no, I've already missed the gym two times. I can't miss any more days at the gym. Literally panicking about missing another day at the gym. And those are times and days that I can never get back. I can never go back and hang out with my sister in those moments. I chose the gym over my sister because I was so preoccupied with how I looked. And now I live 6,000 miles away from her and I can't just go hang out with her. And I don't have a lot of regrets, but I deeply regret that. And I still appreciate how much she honored where I was in that moment and didn't try to change my mind. But basically, diet took over my life. And again, using the term dieting, I had, I had said at the time where it was really taking over, it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle. 
I'm training for a fitness competition. I'm just counting my macros and my calories. And then I started intermittent fasting and I was taking diet pills and I was using waist trainers and I already had abs at that point. I look back on pictures and I remember feeling in the pictures that I couldn't even enjoy what I had worked so hard for because I felt like, oh my gosh, it is, I still have so far to go. I still looked in the mirror, like the body dysmorphia level was just so high and no one was there to tell me, Lauren, you're being ridiculous. Everybody cheered me on. Everybody started to know me as the fit girl. Everybody normalized my behaviors, not knowing how miserable I was. I wouldn't even admit to myself how miserable I was. And I didn't feel that I had any way out of it because I thought, all right, well, this is just the genetics that I've been given. I'm just going to have to be at war with my body for the rest of my life. This is what it's going to take for me to be fit and healthy. And, and that was it. So people started to recognize that and they, if I would show up on social media with a picture of a donut or I'd be in the break room at work and people would see me eating what they consider junk food, people would be like, oh my gosh, Lauren, you're letting me down. How can you eat that right now? There was a guy I had made friends with at the gym who I also believe has a very warped relationship with food in his body based on like interactions that we had. And I remember when I quit dieting and I started to gain weight, I was still, again, at the gym. I still I still value habits that are good for my body. And that includes movement and exercise and things like that anyway. So it's not that I all of a sudden quit dieting and just like let myself go. I just had a normal, was developing a normal relationship to food and my body's set point weight when I'm not dieting is higher than I wanted it to be. It's higher than society says it should be. And so I show up at the gym a few months later and the guy sees me and he's like, no, you can't, you can't do this. You can't give up. You can't give in yada, yada. And he was someone who also used to be larger and then has to work really hard to maintain his current physique and size. So I think he kind of saw himself in me and feared if she gives up and if she lets go, what does that say about me? And I know that a lot of people felt that way at first when I quit dieting because of all the criticism that I got around it. It took a long time for me to reestablish my identity as where it is now. Like you wouldn't even recognize me five years ago. And it was really, I had to really fight for this identity. And I felt like I had to, um, justify my behaviors or, uh, defend myself against what people were saying about what I was doing because people perceived it as Lauren, let herself go. She is super unhealthy now, yada, yada. And, um, and society pushes back against that. And I just had to decide, first of all, I know myself, I know what is good for me and what is not. And I made this decision for myself, even if I was scared, even if others didn't understand, I had to walk my own path because I knew that there was no way I could keep this up for the rest of my life. All I wanted was my life back. 
I wanted to love myself. I wanted to have the confidence I'd been working so hard or the confidence that I thought would come with a thin body and the thinner and more fit that I got when I hit that point where I realized that there is no like there, I was like, wait, I'm here now. Like I am, I have this like body that people are praising and I still don't feel confident. I still don't love myself. If anything, I hate myself more now. So all the things that I was trying to achieve through weight loss, through dieting, through food restriction, I just started to go for those things directly because I so desperately wanted to have a life and joy and pleasure. And so here I am now in a space where I have all those things. You can have all of those things. You can eat the foods that you love. You can enjoy and indulge in the pleasure of a good meal, of a home-cooked meal, of the connection of eating with others, of eating and savoring your favorite chocolate bar or whatever it is that you really love. You can have that. And at the same time, you can prioritize eating foods that are nourishing and have a lot of nutrients and feel good in your body and taste good all at the same time. You can exercise in a way that feels good to you and not punishing. You can move your body in the way that you did as a child, whether that's roller skating or playing tag or doing something. You don't have to be traditionally in a gym and lifting weights or doing a crazy hit workout for an hour in order for it to count. In other words, the activities that you're doing to pursue your better health or a better quality of life don't have to feel draining and they shouldn't feel draining. They shouldn't feel soul-sucking or life-sucking. They should be life-giving. They should feel expansive. And that is available to you. Unfortunately, when you participate in heavy diets and restricting or even light things, light dieting, I guess, and light restriction, you can still be robbed of those things. And that is why and when dieting becomes harmful is when it starts to interrupt the quality of your life and to make you feel more restricted and less expansive and make you feel like less is available to you and that you just have to control, 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 and that you're not good enough. So when it starts to mess with you mentally and also when you're developing a negative relationship to food in your body. I think that's the point where it becomes too much. And for some people, that's early on where that happens. And for some people, maybe it is early on, but you don't recognize it until way later, like me. (laughs) Or maybe you do recognize it and you don't want to necessarily admit it to yourself yet. Whatever it is, I just want you to know, and I want you to give your permission now to Just know that it's not worth it and you don't have to do that if you don't want to. I read a comment on Facebook earlier from a girl that was commenting on someone else's post about like how her week is going and she said, I tried keto this week and I lasted about three hours and she said, I suck. Like she was saying that she sucked for not being able to keep up keto for more than, oh my God, the biggest bug is flying outside right now. Okinawa is the craziest bugs. Anyway, 
she said that she sucks because she wasn't able to keep up keto, which first of all, nobody should have to be, should have to feel that way about themselves for choosing that like, hey, something doesn't resonate with me. Something doesn't work for me. Just because it worked for, or quote unquote worked for a bunch of people and you decide like you can't keep up with it, it doesn't mean, and see, that's another thing is like people's self-esteem just plummets and crashes and self-trust plummets and crashes because they think that they failed the diet when it's really the diet that's failing them. You don't have to put yourself through that torture and I am offering you a way out. So one of the best decisions that I ever made in my entire life was the decision to quit dieting, hands down, like literally changed my life. And as a result, I got my life back and so much more. I'm living a life now that I never believed was possible and I really, attribute that to the fact that I quit dieting and stopped being at war with my body. And I now feel so at peace with my body. I'm so much happier and healthier because of it. So (laughs) that was a long rant there, but I just, I feel so passionate about this. So if you want to quit dieting and at the same time you find it important to prioritize your health or if you struggle with body image and you need support, if you're interested in healing your relationship to food and your body, just remember that I do offer the one-on-one Voxer coaching, six spots per month for six spots at a discounted rate. Um, And if maybe now is not the time for you to come work with me in that capacity, that's okay. I offer plenty of free resources as well. My ebook that's coming out is going to be at a very accessible price. And then my group coaching program, body acceptance group coaching program that's going to come out is also a way that you can work with me. I am not the only one who offers this work as well. So I will, through sharing on social media and things, try and point you toward other uh, professionals who do the same thing. Maybe you don't resonate with the way that I share this and that's completely fine. I just want you to know that this option is available to you because knowing that it was available to me from another coach is what saved me. So anyway, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you got something out of it. If you wanna share an aha moment with me or ask a question or anything like that, just hop into my DMs over on Instagram at Lauren M. Kendrick. I'll talk to you later. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Body Acceptance Podcast. Be sure you're subscribed wherever you listen so you don't miss when a new episode drops. If you love this podcast, I would so appreciate if you'd leave a review. The more positive reviews I have, the more this podcast can reach women like you who are in need of this message. Let's create a ripple effect and inspire more ladies to love themselves. And as always, feel free to share this episode with a friend or tag me on your Instagram stories at Lauren M. Kepler to let me know you're listening. Can't wait to chat with you again next week. But until then, remember that you're worthy and beautiful as you are right now.